Live from Master Closet Studios, you're listening to the only podcast on the internet that doesn't really like sunflowers all that much. Not my favorite. <laughs> it's the noobs, in the, but they are a challenge. It's the noobs <laughs> and the Whovian. My name is Austin. I'm the Whovian. These are my sons, Corbin and Tripp. And, and we're the noobs. And this is the podcast that's introducing a whole new generation to Doctor Who by watching an episode each week and then discussing it from the perspective of a dad who's seen it before. And, and two, two sons who, who haven't. So welcome to episode number 73, covering series five, episode 10, Vincent and the Doctor. This is the one where the Doctor and Amy meet Vincent Van Gogh. 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 Van, Van Gogh. Vincent is the only one who can see a deadly creature rampaging through the town. Together, the three of them are able to defeat the monster, but not the demons inside Vincent himself. Sad, Sad doctor. doctor. I got like really theological at the end. <laughs> theological? Maybe not theological. Uh, something. Yeah. So this is story number 210, originally airing June 5th. 2010 to a whopping 6.76 million viewers. That is an ironic whopping. Yeah, uh, that's it was not number. whopping at all. I think that's the lowest number we've ever seen. <laughs> Probably. Probably. Uh, this one was written by Richard Curtis. This is actually his only writing credit to date on Who. Uh, he had a like an executive producer credit on a previous episode, but this was his uh, first and only writing credit. Uh, which is interesting because this is a, in many ways, and we'll talk about this later. I think Jared is even going to mention it. This in many ways is a standalone episode, you know? So mm-hmm. interesting that it was written by a standalone writer. So it was directed by John Campbell. I don't know why I spelled his name with two H's. I think it's actually Johnny Campbell. That's what it was. Johnny Campbell. Uh, he also wrote Vampire, uh, Vampires of Venice. I didn't write that title right either. So Vampires of Venice. Johnny Campbell doesn't have two H's either. I don't think. No, it has two ends, actually. So. <laughs> You're all sorts of wrong, Dad. Does it? Is it? Okay. All right. Now the red squigglies <laughs> are all gone. Yay. All right. Uh, Yay. So he did Vampires of Venice and this one. So interesting. He did two historical episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I remember correctly, these are his only two credits. So kind of a, a lot of one-offs this season. Whereas, remember last, you know, the, up until this point in the in the Russell T. Davies uh, time frame. Uh, well, no, I guess we're still in. We're, we're still Russell T., running the show are we or no 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 Stephen Moffat's running the show now. yeah Stephen. yeah 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 so in the in the Russell T era it was a lot of you know oh this is this guy's you know 15th episode that he's written you know he did three <laughs> he's done like this whole season <laughs> yeah yeah and a lot of them were written by Russell T Davies himself so mm-hmm. uh, Stephen Moffat taking a, a slightly different approach here under miscellaneous trivia this was this one had another weird closing remember uh was it was it the last one where we zoomed in through the keyhole or oh yeah, that, that one was really strange. Was that no no no? That, that wasn't the last one. That was uh, the I one. Remember that was the Dream Lord one. The um, oh, yeah, Amy's yeah. choice. That was the one where we zoomed in on the keyhole where the time vortex was. So we thought we were going to see a crack, but we didn't. Uh, this one we uh, cut to black, which is like okay, big deal, right? It cut to black, but you know normally the episode goes from the final scene the final shot to doom next time you know like the picture of the time vortex and then you get the what's coming next this one actually cuts to black yeah normally it shows like the tardis like right after they close the door and then you hear the music and then it fades to credits yeah something Something. yeah it cuts to the time vortex displaying the credits or the next time uh this one cut to black and what it not only is that interesting i mean it was it was I honestly, I didn't notice this except that the Wikia pointed it out, but this is the first episode since 1963 wow. to cut to black. 
And all I can think is, did someone go through and watch the end of every episode just to check this fact? Because I know I didn't. I just copied it down. So anyways, uh, just another miscellaneous trivia bit there. In the cast this week, we had, of course, Vincent Van Gogh. 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 Um, I, I prepared the boys in advance that in, here in America, we say Vincent Van Gogh. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know why. Uh, but in, in pretty much everywhere else in the world, they either pronounce it go, uh, Goff or Goch, because that's really what G-H is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a guttural. It's a glottal stop. Um, so you had you had uh, the doctor and Amy calling him Van Goff. Which I've heard a lot, so yeah. Yeah, I yeah. probably wouldn't have even noticed. Okay, see, I, had, I, I was not as familiar with that uh, and, many many years ago but um i love the uh the the uh, museum curator guy who just very intentionally did it with the glottal every time so every time he referred to him he said van gogh and i was like did, was that a choice from that actor or did the director say that or like what was the he never said he vincent he just it? said van gogh like van he, gogh. Just re- yeah. he just refers to him as van gogh right what were you saying, Corbin? I said, is that just how the actor pronounces it? I, yeah, that's what I'm wondering. It's like, really was knows. that how the actor says it? Was it a choice on his part? Like, well, I'm like, portraying an expert so on like, this I artist. So, like, I'm to be saying Gogh. Yeah, so I would have to say it accurately. Anyways, uh, so he he was played by, Vincent was played by uh, Tony Curran. And this guy has been in a ton of movies and shows. I was scrolling through his IMDb, and it just goes on and on and on. And most of it is... He played this one dude on this show one time, like, you know, like special guest. So appearance. one off, one off, one, one time one character off, one off. or some. There were a couple of shows where he was there for a handful of episodes. right? Like so he, he was, was like, kind of like a character that just appeared and then like died. Yeah, off. They something. call that a recurring character. So maybe you're not part of the regular cast, but yeah. he shows up every now and then, you know, um, or he showed up for three episodes in a row. So he was important to yeah. that part of the storyline. And then he went away. The big thing that he did, however, he played Daytac Tar on a show on Sci-Fi called Defiance. Now, I don't know if I've ever told you guys about this show. Uh, it's a great show on Sci-Fi. I don't, I don't know that I've actually watched through all of it yet. Keely mm-hmm. and I were watching it for a little while, and he plays uh, an alien on that show. And as soon as I saw that credit, I went, "Oh!" <laughs> because that's why the I whole know. time I was watching this, I just thought he looked so familiar. Now, you know, in this in this show. He is full beard, full mustache, shocking red hair, right? Mm -hmm. Hair, beard, mustache, all of it red. Eyebrows, everything's red. Mm -hmm. (laughs) As Daytac Tar, he plays an alien from a race of people that are completely stark white, like albino. (laughs) Like, but not like human albinos tend towards pink. Mm -hmm. They tend towards like a bluish white, you know, so it's Uh. like very, very alien. You know, so white hair, white skin, everything about him, like their eyes are like this ice blue and everything. And he is completely clean shaven in the show. So um, and he was like a main character on that show uh, for, for quite a while. And he also had a like a, a weird alien accent thing going on. So uh, I did not. So you do not know anything even so, I, sort I of I in no way was going. He looks kind of like it was just in the back of my mind. He just seemed familiar. And then when I saw that uh-huh. credit, I went, that's the guy. Uh, before we jump into the checklist, we, we uh, wanted to visit our news section. I thought this would be interesting uh, to, I don't know, pretty much to all of our audience. The headline reads thus, Jodie Whittaker becomes first doctor to play the doctor. And I was like, 
Hey, what? what? I had to read this art. I had to read the headline like six times. I'm like, wait a minute. She becomes the first doctor to play the doctor. I what does just, that mean? Oh, so I just went doctor. to the article to figure out what it was. Wait, she's a doctor. Yes, is that what it's saying? What she it's saying is school credit. Jodie Whittaker and all of the all of her three companions, as well as Chris Chibnall, the showrunner, are all receiving honorary doctorates from Sheffield Hallam University. All right, so an honorary doctorate is when you have somebody who is who is well known, and they come and they speak at your your graduation, mm-hmm. and then the the university will bestow an honorary doctorate on them, right? Which so, means you're not so actually a doctor. Earn. Yeah, they didn't get they didn't do the the schooling requirements to get a doctorate, so it's an honorary degree. I think technically you can after getting that you can like go by the title doctor because it the college officially confers upon you a doctorate but it's an honorary mm-hmm. doctoral degree so, so you can't go out and become a doctor by getting an honorary doctorate right you have to go mm-hmm. to right school. and it's also so doctor can can refer to a lot of different you yeah, know, PhD yeah, yeah. type degrees, um, not just medical doctor. This is definitely not mm-hmm. a medical degree in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> um, so, but sometimes what you'll have is is you'll have somebody who maybe they are you know a famous um, speaker and they they you know so they come and they do your graduation and then they give them an honorary doctorate in public relations or public speaking or 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 you know something like that mm-hmm. so that it kind of ties into a recognition of what you've accomplished with your career. Mm, I and I, if I remember correctly, um, so do, does, no, Sheffield wouldn't ring a bell to y'all because y'all haven't seen it yet. Uh, the 13th Doctor, when when she shows up on Earth in the first episode, she's in Sheffield. And uh-huh. so the three main characters, the three companions are from Sheffield. And so, the, and there's a lot of, uh, several of the episodes heavily involve Sheffield. Uh, uh-huh. And I believe a lot of them were even shot there. So Sheffield University is doing this special recognition of the show. And the way they chose to do it was by having the showrunner and then the four lead actors come and get honorary doctorates, which means she is now Dr. Jodie Whittaker or will be soon. Uh-huh. I, th- I, don't, I don't know that it's actually happened yet. So she will be Dr. Jodie Whittaker and she will therefore be the first doctor to play the doctor out wow. of all the many, many actors that have played the role. She'll, she'll be the only one who actually in real life has the title doctor. Giant air quotes, doctor <laughs> to play Honorary the doctor. Doctor, yeah. So interestingly written article, uh, uh, headline rather, Jodie Whittaker becomes first doctor to play doctor. And it didn't help because capitalization rules for headlines, first and doctor are capitalized. Mm-hmm. You know, if you wrote that as a sentence, both of those would be lowercase, which I would have made, it would have made more sense. Yeah. And I saw him capitalized. I thought it was referring to the first doctor. Anyways. I know. I yeah. Confused. Uh, so we'll have a we'll have a link to that in the show notes over at noobsinthehoobian.com. Speaking of which, Noobs in the Hoobian is brought to you by R5 website management, where you can get world-class hosting, domain registration, and security at a great price. We have a special deal for you listeners here at Noobs in the Hoobian. Uh, you know what? Not even just listeners. Share this with your friends. Share it with family. Share it with coworkers. We don't mind. Special deal is you're going to get 15% off of your entire order by using the code NOOBS at checkout. So uh, head over to store.r5websitemanagement.com. Use the code NOOBS at checkout and get 15% off your entire order. Get started building your awesome website today. All right. On to the checklist. Our creature of the week is the Crefaeus. Holy cow, that one was hard to spell. Crefaeus. Or or pronounce. Crefaeus. Crefaeus. Okay, then. Say it with me. 
Crafaeus. <laughs> what was that one super long name that we kept learning? It was like Raxacorco Falbatorian. No, no, no it's Slovene. Longfellfotch. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Jagrafess. Oh, the Holy Hadrafess of the Holy. No, the Mighty Jagrafess of the Holy Hadrafessic Mats of Rodenfell. Nice. All, all of these <laughs> things that we're quoting off here are from the first season as well. Yeah. So. All right. So all I'm gonna say is, if you ever come to me and say. But I couldn't memorize those dates for that history test, Dad. I'm say, liar! <laughs> I just didn't take the time. All right. Uh, so the Crefaeus is a stranded animal. It's it's you know obviously alien. It's not uh, like the lizard people. You know, it's not prehistoric Earth bound. Mm-hmm. It is uh, some pack animal that travels throughout the universe, and it got stranded, uh, presumably because it blind and so it kind of yeah. got abandoned and left behind so it was all alone blind and scared and apparently they have some I, did we really get into is it like psychological camouflage i don't know i have I no think, idea and plus why was he the only one who could see it because i don't know but there was and a how line did the mirror in there. help it actually that's a good point but the doctor did have that. a line in there about the camouflage and it's kind of glossed over and right 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 goes right over your head if you're not listening i mean i, I think I like think i think his w- whole like how he can like how he his mind processes things like when he right. looks into the sky he sees oh starry <laughs> yes. night what he painted and, in his picture right so. yeah right so and i think that's part of it like most people who don't who aren't like super creative and stuff and don't see the world all special and oh how paint it and stuff Right. Well, gloss over the whole fact that he even exists there. Yeah. And he takes the time to actually look at it and be able to see it. They and they kind of alluded to that. That that's why I called it psychological camouflage because it 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 seemed to me like this was some sort of natural occurrence of a perception filter. Mm, Mm -hmm. That's true. You know where it was kind of like you know. It's it's there and you can sometimes see it if you're doing like if you squint the right way kind of thing, you know, um, same thing with uh, the doctor being able to see it in the mirror. Yeah, uh, I don't know mm-hmm. if that was a, a a function of that device or if it was just any mirror would work. <laughs> but the this thing is a reverse is, vampire. But the, but the <laughs> yeah. thing is, we're Only saying, the thing that we're saying is it, you don't see him unless you're directly trying to look at him. But the doctor was directly. Well, no, because even when the doctor and, and Amy that's were what, trying yeah, to see it, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and it's not like Vincent was constantly trying to see this thing. He was on the lookout for it. Yeah, it he was just, just it was his. It. his it's, I think it's what you said. It's his mind. Yes, very good. His mindset, his approach to viewing the world. Not even approach, because that sounds deliberate and conscious. Just the way his brain perceives the universe meant that he was going to see that monster. Yeah, like when he looked up at the stars, he saw an artwork. He saw right. a painting. He saw like Explosions this. of light and swirls of black and blue and all those kinds of things. He actually mm-hmm. wasn't an impressionist. That's just how he saw the world. <laughs> <laughs> Every painting that he made was just what he saw. That's right, he... yeah. That's the way he, he, he saw the world. And he even said, you know, I know these paintings are terrible, but it's the best that I can do. So moving on in the checklist, bad CGI. Speaking of the Crefaeus, what did you guys think? Mm-hmm. I've been to CGI. Kind of choppy. Like, it's I mean, kind of choppy. It was okay. To me, like... this was this was on the level of one of the creatures in Merlin, mm, which would yeah. have been similar time frame in BBC. Um, it's yeah. just, they, they feel... They don't feel like they're there. They like, feel like they are added on. 
Like, there's yeah. nothing wrong with it necessarily, but like, it just doesn't feel quite right. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. no, like, no, no real weight to them. If you yeah, feel, yeah. if you can look at it and feel like I could peel that thing off of this scene, <laughs> then it's right. Probably not yeah, very stuff it's, wrong it's with lighting good. and shadows. Like, and stuff. If you can imagine that it's not there, it like if you can see right. the image without that being there. Sure. So let's let's compare. However, let's compare the Crefeus to Doctor Lazarus. Uh, much better. The Crefeus. Like, okay. Yeah. Like. <laughs> so we're uh-huh. we're getting I'm trying to think. Dr. Lazarus felt a little bit more like he was actually there, but he was oh, yeah, kind okay. of made very poorly, yeah. I think. He, was, he didn't yeah. look very uh, good. The skin of it. So the physics on it was better, but the skin on it wasn't as good. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. And this one, it's like, I feel like I could remove you from this scene <laughs> in some way. That's right. Uh, so jiggery pokery on the TARDIS here. The um, Oh, there was just, this is just a, a short note. There were papers that were uh, glued on, you know, kind of, advertisements slapped onto the the TARDIS and that burned off. Yeah, they were incinerated while going yeah. through the time vortex. Just on fire. And I I kind of paused uh <laughs> and when I we got to that corner was like, oh wow, look at that. You know, like good attention to detail. And then I paused it and I said, Captain Jack wrote on Yeah. <laughs> we're like, oh wow. Then he kept dying and coming back to life and dying and coming yeah, back something to life like that. and dying. Yeah, like the only reason he was able to ride on the outside of the the TARDIS was because he couldn't die. Like, that's that's the only reason why. So, um, but I did I did think it was interesting um, for them to go through that whole thing and have the have the papers be there, right? So then the doctor has to like he uses his key to like slice through the the, the papers and then to take the extra added time of uh, sticking some paper onto the outside of the of the TARDIS. This is production level. Mm-hmm. Stick it to the outside and then light it on fire mm-hmm. and pull the camera back as the actors are exiting the TARDIS. I was like, that's a lot of attention to detail for something that didn't need to happen. Yeah, like that really didn't and had no bearing on anything. <laughs> there was a, a small note in the Wikia that the cafe that was being advertised, was it a cafe? Maybe it was a maybe it was a it was something. It was like a bar, I think. It was something like that. Whatever it was that that was being advertised by that was one of the first places to publicly display the works of Van Gogh. Uh, so I'm like, wow, wow. that is a like really uh, like tiny who, detail. Way who too much. Noticed and it's like that? but again, even that didn't move forward the plot at all. Like yeah. it, like if the doctor had stopped and said, Oh, looky there, like, hey Amy, wink wink. Did, Maybe we should take Van Gogh by this by this place later, you know. Like, mm-hmm. but there was nothing. There was just there were papers there. The doctor goes, uh, and then slices <laughs> it open with the key, and then it is incinerated later. And I'm like, that was a lot to do for something that had no bearing on the show. I yeah. also realized I think when they opened up the doors, it was it was in it was like on the side. So like they would have had to open up the door to be able to put it on the inside of it. Like in between was the it? two doors. Oh, I didn't even was, notice that. It was, was it really? right. It was attached there. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like, That'd how would they have done that? Right <laughs> and I, I also love that there's like four different posters on the whole thing, just like right next to each other, all on top of each other. Oh, that's how they do yeah. those yeah. kinds of things. Really? That, that's it's definitely like, in, in larger cities like that. That's how they do that. What so. you want one poster advertising this thing? Let's put four right on top of each other. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see the Pandorica and the Silence. Uh, nothing, nothing this mm-hmm. week. 
the crack, the closest thing that we get to a mention of the crack and therefore the closest thing that this episode has to tying into the entire season arc is a little bit of an allusion to Rory. Yeah. Right? There were a few in there. And I, I forgot about Rory when this episode started. <laughs> like, where's Rory? Midway through the episode, I was like, wait, where's Rory? And they're oh, like, yeah, he's he died. gone. Yeah. Like, oh, right. That's why the doctor is oh, yeah, being so died. nice to Amy and whatnot. It's like, oh, it yeah, it was, it was really <laughs> funny because you, they heard a woman scream. The doctor and Amy go running like, like, of course they're going to. And then Van Gogh started running with him. And Corbin's like, why is he running with him? And then you realized, wait, where's wait, Rory? Wait where's Rory? And I paused and I looked at him and, and I looked like, at Tripp. We both looked at and him. Tripp and, and like... I looked at Corbin and he goes, oh, he died. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's small. Like, you remember that? Do you remember that incredibly traumatic ending scene that we just yeah. that we just saw last week? Do you remember that? I, part just, of like, I forgot. Uh, that tiny <laughs> plot point. Yeah. Or, or was that a fourth wall break? He never existed. <laughs> it was such a good fourth wall break that I even forgot Rory. <laughs> this show was so well done, it bled out into the real world. So, uh, so at any rate, that, that is the closest thing that we have in this episode to, again, to tying into the season. And so therefore, th- this might be a, a pretty good episode to introduce someone to the series. Right. Like Mm -hmm. the first episode of this season would be a good place to start because new doctor, Mm -hmm. new showrunner, new companion, like you kind of got to start all over. But this episode kind of hits a lot of the high points. Everything that has started. Well, it doesn't before. It just doesn't talk about anything that's happened. Yeah. Like the crack Mm -hmm. is still a problem. The silence is still a mystery. Yeah. Rory is totally dead and gone and forgotten by everyone but the doctor. And, and we just don't, we're just not going to talk about any of that. Except and, for when he goes, Amy, Rory, I mean, uh, Van Gogh. Yeah. That's right. like the and, only and it, time we hear Rory at all. Again, if you're, well, and the, the other mention was Vincent says, I, I can see, you know, your, awesome. your pain or whatever. And she's like, what are you talking about? And he says, you're crying. And she's like, she didn't even realize it, but she yeah. had a tear rolling down her cheek. And she's like, why am I crying? And he says, I feel like you've lost someone. And, and you don't even remember. So, right. Well, and he doesn't say that, you know, cause he, he's not that, that clued in, but he says, yeah. it seems like you've lost someone. And that's just someone who has experienced loss, identifying with somebody else. And, and so you could, again, if you're new to the show, you could just sort of gloss right over that. And, mm-hmm. and it like, whatever, whatever, um, we've got no, even when the doctor says, Amy, Rory, she says, who? Oh, sorry. Right. Okay. That was like in the middle of an action packed moment. If you didn't know who Rory was, you just like roll on and be like, that was weird. Ask your friend about it at the end of the episode. Um, so I just, I thought it was interesting that this is a standalone episode. We had, what was the other standalone that we had uh, that didn't, didn't mention the crack? Was it Amy's choice? I think yeah, so, Amy. Yeah. Amy's choice was the other one that didn't have yeah, didn't any have mention of the overall stuff, and that one happened entirely in a dream. So, so yeah, that kind yeah. of makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So interesting that we've had two episodes um, fairly close together, and you know, essentially two, one story apart. Yeah, uh, that uh, that didn't tie into the overarching uh, story arc. So, under who's who? Who is Rory? Uh, he did. <laughs> 
cheese. So why is he still on the checklist? I just put Dad. Uh, because he was mentioned. We had to, we had to, you know. So. His existence got erased, so he shouldn't be on here. Let's just, <laughs> let's, just let's just highlight that with black highlighter. Uh, who is put Amelia? A straight marker through we, it. we kind of already mentioned this. Who's Amelia? She's sad, but she doesn't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, what else, guys? What talk, talk to me about Amelia on this episode? Because I feel like um, this was. She seems happier, even though Rory's gone. Like she's well, she's happy because she doesn't, she doesn't remember. remember. Like she, she doesn't seems, know that she lost someone. But she seems like a different person entirely when Rory's not there. Like Rory seems to be an influence to her somehow. And once he's gone, it seems like Amy lost that okay. influence. So you think she's happier without Rory? <laughs> You're a terrible person. <laughs> uh, That's what now, I- however, she did say at the very end of the episode, which again, Corbin was like, wow, just slap Rory's never having existed face. <laughs> she, she tells Vincent, I'm not the marrying type. And Corbin was like, dang, like, oh. sick burn on somebody who's not there anymore. Uh, <laughs> I'm not the marrying there. type. <laughs> never was there. Uh, yeah, not I like mean, I that was, was going to get married to someone. Yeah, tomorrow, like 500 <laughs> years, whatever it is. Uh, I guess we weren't that far back this episode. but So it, it's it's interesting that, you know, she, yeah. I don't know, Tripp, I don't know if I disagree with you that she seems to be a little more carefree. Like, she seems to be, like, I think, not stressed or anything. She it, seems to be completely fine. Like, I think it's a whole wedding thing. Like, well, she doesn't want to go back to her own life. Yeah. Back with Rory she doesn't have anything back home that's pulling her back yeah. like she has yeah. so far. Carefree, I think, is a better word for it yeah. rather than happy because it's not, oh, I'm happy. It's I have nothing to lose. Okay. Yeah. So she's a bit more like, she's like, oh, so you're going to follow him? Yes, of course. Why would I not follow him right. in after a dangerous monster where I could probably and most likely will die? Right. That sort of thing. Right. Because she was even more unfettered than Rose mm-hmm. um, and Martha. Martha had her, her career and education to go back to. Yeah. Donna kind of was a little bit carefree. Yeah. didn't have anything tying her back except for maybe her, her family. So, yeah, interesting. So uh, we learn a little bit about Amelia here. Maybe maybe this ties into some of the fans out there that basically say she doesn't deserve Rory. So, I don't know. We'll have to see. Who is the doctor? Um, I love this. Um Vincent says, uh, you know, you're not going in there by yourself. He says, you're sure I am. He says, you're unarmed. He says, no, I'm not. Vincent says, what do you have? The doctor says, a sense of overconfidence, a gadget, and a screwdriver. I'm absolutely sorted. (laughs) (laughs) A sense of overconfidence. I was like, like, there's the doctor in a nutshell right there. A sense of overconfidence. So, um, and uh, I love it that he seemed to be slamming Remember just a couple episodes we had him telling Rory, hey, don't diss the screwdriver or don't diss the Sonic because yeah. he said, isn't it a bit rubbish that it doesn't do wood? And here we have the doctor trying to use this, the Sonic, whatever it was he was doing didn't work. And he says, I'm definitely only using the screwdriver to tighten screws from now on and shows it in his yeah. coat. And it was like, there's this part of me that the first time I watched this was like, okay, is that the end of the screwdriver? Like, <laughs> like are we never going to see the Sonic again? Or is it like, what's going on? I thought he was saying... I'm definitely only using this to tighten screws. I thought he was like winking it off to uh, Vincent as if he wasn't using a screwdriver from the future. That's what I thought was going on. Uh, no, I thought I thought he was saying like from now on, this is what I'm, you know, it's all I'm going to rely on this thing for. So 
Mm. Interesting. Uh, so every, um, oh gosh, there's a, so I, I you know, spoiler, we're, we're jumping part of the episode here, but I love this episode. I, every time I watch mm-hmm. it, it kind of chokes me up a little bit. And the line towards the end that the doctor delivers is one quintessential doctor. Yeah. And two just gets me every time like, he says, just- and, and the boys will tell you, I rewound this like three or four times because I was typing it out word yeah. for word. Mm-hmm. So he says, every life is a pile of good things and bad things. The good things don't always soften the bad things, but vice versa. The bad things don't necessarily spoil the good things or make them unimportant. So on a light, goofy side of this, this is, this is why the phrase, you're ruining my childhood, is stupid. <laughs> okay, uh, Bill and Ted 3 is about to come out. And there's a yeah. part of me in the back of my mind that goes, I hope this doesn't suck. I hope right? this doesn't if ruin it's bad, my childhood. I will be very, very disappointed. <laughs> but that's the thing. That's all I'll be. Disappointed. It will not in any way, shape, or form detract from how much I love the first two movies. You shouldn't be. You shouldn't say, this third movie was bad. One and two suck now and I hate everything. Or, yeah. or that it in any way impacts the first two movies. You know, mm-hmm. like... If anything, like the third one happens like twenty years in the future, like. Oh yeah, well no, it'll take place like present day, just like the other movies took place present day. No, I mean like it's been twenty years. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But that's the thing is, if if it's terrible, it will not in any way make the other ones bad or yeah. less or anything like that. It'll be well, we could have had an amazing decade-spanning trilogy, mm-hmm. and instead we have two really good movies with a follow-up that was crappy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Okay, Terminator 3 is objectively terrible. <laughs> okay, unarguably, come at me, listeners, unarguably, unambiguously terrible. I'm still okay. watching it. I don't care. I still, I still say that the franchise is, is a good series, you know? It has its ups and downs. But if you didn't have the third movie, then you wouldn't end up with the TV show and the fifth movie the fourth movie was meh, whatever. I like the fifth movie. A lot of people think that the fifth movie was just as bad as the third. I disagree, but we can disagree. And here's the thing. Like I was telling some friends the other night, T2 is not only objectively, come at me, bro, the best movie <laughs> in the series. I would say arguably it is one of the best movies ever made. It is just, it's amazing. It's good. It holds up after all this time. And that movie is in no way diminished by the fact that the third one dropped a big turd on its ass. Okay. It, it, it tried to take... Was it that bad? I'm exaggerating. Um, we're going to watch it. You know we're going to watch it. We're still watching. We're still watching. I am a completionist. We will watch The Shiny Turd, okay? I may but, hate it, but I'm going to watch it. I will spend. Turd. I will spend two hours describing to you all in detail as we watch it why it's terrible, but no. And that's the thing. Is And, and you know what? Here's the thing. I think that y'all might watch it and go, that was great. And that's fine. One, you're allowed to, you're allowed to like things that I don't like and you're allowed to hate things that I do like. And, but no matter what the, the, the bad things don't overshadow the good things. They don't, Mm -hmm. excuse me, let me rephrase that. They don't have to, you don't don't have have to. to let them. And, and, and I love that he says, he phrased everything about this line was so good. Like, I wonder if the, if the writer, like, just kept rewriting this because he says the good things don't always soften the bad things. Sometimes they do. 
Sometimes a, a, a bad thing can be made better by a good thing that follows it or that preceded it or something. It can soften the blow. Good news can soften the blow of bad news, right? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't always. He says the good things don't always soften the bad things, but vice versa. The bad things don't necessarily spoil the good things. So listen, he says don't necessarily. Sometimes they do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a good thing can ruin a, uh, I'm sorry, sometimes a bad thing can ruin a good thing. That can happen, but he says, not necessarily. It doesn't mean that it has to. The bad things don't have to spoil the good things. Sometimes it's out of our control. Sometimes it's a matter of our opinions and our, uh, excuse me, not our opinions, but our attitudes and our actions and the way that we handle things, right? So mm-hmm. we, we don't have to let the bad things spoil the good things. We don't have to let that happen. And then it says, or make them unimportant. The bad things don't necessarily spoil the good things or make them unimportant. Going back to the movie thing, right? Having, you know, a, a, a bad third movie doesn't make the first two movies all of a sudden irrelevant and unimportant. Mm-hmm. Having a bad thing happen in your life doesn't have to necessarily make the good things in your life unimportant. Mm-hmm. You don't have to say, you know, like we, okay, let's say we all... We, we go on a trip. We just went on a big trip, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry about the sound quality last week, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we tried something out. Didn't it work didn't as well really, as we thought, yeah. but we got an episode out on time. Yeah. <laughs> Not on time. It was released on Wednesday. Try okay, we didn't, you. <laughs> we didn't miss a week. By the way, the reason we didn't release on Sunday is because we were trying to like kind of keep it on the download that we were out of town and, you know, stalkers, safety, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it was a few days late, but but we got one out th- that week. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so we were out doing that, that, that really awesome trip and it was a really fast trip, but it was good. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And what happened if on the way home, you know, the, the tire blew out on the van and we were stranded on the side of the road for a couple of hours right when we were almost home. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that would have stunk. That would have sucked really bad. Yeah. It would have sucked. I would have walked the rest of the way home. But with uh, without without going into specifics, we the reason we made this big trip was for a monumentous occasion, right? We were going to see some folks for a big, big deal. Mm-hmm. And our tire blowing out or, uh, you know, something like that would not have made that event less important. Yeah. We would, if, if anything, it would just add to the story that we could tell years later. Like, remember that time <laughs> when we went across the country and we had that big thing and it was awesome and then when we got back... The tire blew out and it sat on the side of the road and it sucked and when it rained on us and it was terrible, but it was still a good weekend, right? Yeah, yeah at least we were together as a family. Right. Ooh, see, there you go. So that's the thing. Uh, this, I love this line from the doctor, you know, um, and this is, this is one of those ones where uh, on the Wikia, it said that this episode is one that is pointed to as proof that Doctor Who has heart, whereas mm. sometimes sci-fi shows don't. This show has some real heart and some depth and some some gotcha moments right where it just grabs your heart and just gotcha so um that was a little more time than i thought i was going to spend on that but no it's no it's not at all i knew when i was writing Mm -hmm. this down i was like we're going to talk about this because this is going to be the next let's talk about section well i mean that's the thing is uh let's let let, let's do that let's come back to that in just a second guys because we want to remind you that noobs in the hoovian is also brought to you by listeners like uh (laughs) jicter 
So apparently I have I have shipped Victor and Jared and we've gotten Victor. Victor and Jared, if you find value in what we do and want to give a little bit a uh, little bit back, that's what we're asking for. Join uh, our support team for as little as a dollar a month as an Amelia patron. You can start at five dollars a month and be on the Amy tier. You'll get a shout out on the show. Uh, at twelve dollars a month means you are our very own River Song. You're always there for us, supporting us, and you'll also get a shout out. Fifteen dollars a month makes you a hosting host, and you'll get a chance to guest host on an upcoming episode. So you can head over to patreon.com slash noobs and the Whovian and become a supporting patron of family-friendly independent media today. So, yeah, can we talk about, I don't know, man, like what it is about this episode. Um, it's, like I said, it, it, it's got heart, right? Mm-hmm. This one, yeah. you can watch this and you can know very little about Doctor Who and lore. All you got to know is time travel, right? Yeah. Like if you know that much, uh, you're good to go. Um, we, we, we introduced some, a little bit of wibbly wobbly in this one, right? Yeah. Like we've got the, the Crefeus disappearing from the painting and Amy's name showing up on another painting. Yeah. Um, but other than that, it, it, it locks into this idea that you can't like, go ahead. You can't make big changes to specific events like specific events i thought have a long lasting effect on the world so you can't make big changes that would benefit or do the opposite to so the doctor has has alluded to these these locked moments right these fixed Mm -hmm. points right we dealt with that on waters of mars Mm -hmm. but he didn't mention that on this episode. Did y'all notice that? Yeah. He didn't say, uh, Vincent van Gogh is, is a fixed point. We can't Mm -hmm. change his death because it would mess up things or whatever. He's, he's, he's too big. Like you were saying, he's he's too influential. Doctor doesn't say that. He doesn't say that at all. He at no point says, Amy, we can't change this. But did you notice throughout the episode, he doesn't seem to be holding out much hope that it will change. He, he, mm-hmm. he, the, the closest that we get to him talking about it being a fixed point is that it's not a fixed point because he says, no, you are Vincent van Gogh. You can't go in here with me because if this thing kills you, it would be killing Vincent van Gogh mm-hmm. before he does most of his most influential work. Mm-hmm. Right. So he's worried that we can't, you know, we can't alter, excuse me. We can alter it, but we shouldn't because it's Vincent Van Gogh. But Amy wants to to impact him in such a way that it changes his life and, and his outlook and his his mental state and mental health. And and it's it's debated what was the deal with with Vincent Van Gogh. I, I did a little bit of research, and basically, because mental health sciences weren't equipped at the time. We don't know what his deal was. There are people that think maybe he was bipolar, maybe it was depression, maybe it mm-hmm. was this thing and that. Th- I mean, there's like all kinds of different theories about uh, what what was going on with him and why he ended up committing suicide. Um, and I, it's it seemed like there may even be some speculation that maybe it wasn't even a suicide. I mean, it's like a lot of question marks, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but the doctor doesn't seem hopeful that they're going to be able to change that outcome. And in the end, the thing that he hangs his hat on is we weren't able to change that, but we were able to add a lot to his pile of good things. Right? Mm-hmm. He starts off that, that quote we just talked about with 
life is a pile of good things and bad things. And he and Amy were able to throw some more things on the good pile. And so that's, you know. That's the good part. That's the. That's the silver lining to the, mm-hmm. to the storm cloud there. That's the thing that, that they've got to hold on to knowing that sometimes it, it, it can't be changed or, or it just, it just won't be changed. And um, this episode deals a lot. It, it, this episode was specifically designed, by the way, to to call attention to mental el- mental illness, mental health issues, so that uh, so that people watching it can have a better understanding of like what people are going through. That that sometimes you can do what seems to be all the right things, and someone's mental health is not going to change. Sometimes it will. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it. Um, sometimes it needs. Sometimes people need more help than than what they end up getting, or a different kind of help than what they end up getting. But uh, they they were they were specifically trying to address that. Mm-hmm. So and again, I, I that that moment in the theater when uh, in the theater, theater. in the um, museum. Sorry, museum. that moment in the museum when he's sitting there. Just Vincent is just almost on the verge of tears listening to that professor describe him and his work and his legacy and everything. That to me is just, I don't know. It's a powerful scene. Part of that is the song in the background is perfect. I've never even heard mm-hmm. that song outside of this episode, but mm-hmm. um, is done, done very well. So uh, Corbin, what did you have under other stuff we noticed <laughs> on a much lighter note on a much lighter note? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I just remembered this and I don't know why it came to my head, but hmm. at the start of the episode, there's the scene where he's in a field and he's painting and yeah. there's something running through the grass and it's moving along and he's painting and it looks like whatever it is is going to come towards him. Uh-huh. And then the intro plays or whatever and we're in the future. And that scene at the beginning was never really explained. Never explained, they, like, never addressed. Was it, was it a Crefeus running towards him, maybe? That's what I thought, but mm-hmm. then if it was running towards him, how did he defend himself? Because that he didn't die that way, especially when they killed the Crefeus, and he still ended up dying at the same like same time and whatnot. So I don't... I was confused by that. I don't that. know. Maybe he fought him off like he did with the stick, and that's why he recognized... Because I feel like he knew what to do when he saw mm-hmm. the Crefeus. Yeah, it's it was like, like it wasn't his first encounter. Ah, get away. I can imagine, but because he seemed entirely unstartled by seeing the giant monster in his backyard coming right. to mm-hmm. kill him. Right. But um, like he's painting all the way up until the point where like the camera's zooming in right at him and it's like yeah. the monster's coming to get him and then it goes and then, away yeah. and that's never really talked and about. It just and it makes sense. And place the paint on mm-hmm. and draw the little line and then uh-huh. fades. it's just you know there's wheat moving around but you can't see what's moving it it's like maybe there is something invisible there maybe it's the crofeus and then it's like it's never it's a, yeah, explained never they says, never come back oh, to I've that seen this, i've seen this guy before i was painting weird, yeah. like the, the one thing that's the first painting they see and the guy tells them that is the last painting he painted before he died but oh, was it? he didn't die painting that painting because he committed suicide. So I still don't, I don't get it. I don't understand the point oh, of that. Oh, weird. 
so maybe that was maybe that was how things went originally before the doctor and Amy showed up. Like maybe so then, he died to that, but then that wasn't suicide, a eh? like you would think they'd be able to tell if he was clawed and scratched to death <laughs> versus he did that to himself. It's interesting. And then the Crefeus, they kill the Crefeus, and so therefore he still dies at the same time, possibly yeah. even in the same place. Weird. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I don't know. This may be this may be hinting at some things about Van Gogh's personal history that we're just not aware of. It or might maybe be like some Easter eggs there that uh, that we're just not able to spot. So. All right, so that, uh, speaking of Easter eggs, that brings us over to the classic Who connection where Jared's got uh, a couple things uh, to mention here. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if, if, uh, if he was like feeling a little under the weather or uh, something about the microphone settings. He just sounds a little bassy. <laughs> so let's uh, tune in and hear what Jared's got to tell us about. This is Jared bringing you your classic Who connections for the episode Vincent and the Doctor. And I got a short one for you today. Not a whole lot of connections to find there, but here we go. When the doctor uses the gift from his godmother, you know, the one with bad breath and two heads, he uses that gift to identify the Crafaeus. He tries it on himself first, and we see the incarnations of the first and second doctor. When Amy talks about uh, all the wonderful places that they've just been to, and ask the doctor why he's been taking her to those wonderful places. Uh, the doctor sort of shrugs it off, but it's implied that he's taking her to those places because he wants to make her happy after Rory died. And even though she doesn't remember Rory, obviously we see in the episode there's still a sadness in her. So he's trying to bring her to happy places and have happy experiences. Obviously, those were not exciting enough to show in episodes, so we... Uh, get this episode with uh, Vincent Van Gogh or Van Gogh. The Doctor has done this before. The Fifth Doctor did the same thing with the remaining companions, uh, Nyssa and Tegan, after Adric died. And that's it. That's all I could find. So I've, I've got a, a rating for it, and, and I'll, I'll just explain this, that I did enjoy it. It was kind of a fun episode. Um, I mean, it was interesting. They were trying to handle some deeper concepts and things, too, but... Uh, it, it just was, I thought it was okay, it was well done, but uh, it didn't really register as high uh, because it just didn't, it didn't connect to the overall storyline of the season. You know, it didn't, didn't bring out any, any epic uh, baddies and things. So it just, it just didn't hit as high as, as, it, as other episodes for me. So uh, I'm going to give it a seven, an even seven ginger beards and then uh not really creepy at all i mean kind of creepy the idea of a, a, a monster that's freaking out that you can't see and coming after you but uh other than that um just didn't hit me as creepy at all so i'll just give it uh, a simple 100 on the creep levels and that's gonna do it thank you to the tardis with you and thank you to noobs and the movie for having me on and I look forward to bringing you more classic who connections next time all right, so uh, seven ginger beers. He and I had a little email exchange back and forth because he said uh, he said something to the effect of, uh, I guess he listened to our previous episode and then was like, yeah, so I hear you said you kind of like this one, and uh, I hope you don't mind, but I don't like it all that much. <laughs> so we, we, uh, I forget what he, he, he sent me. 
this long explanation about some of the things that he didn't like about it. And I emailed back and I said, that's okay. I don't like you either. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so, actually, it was a Facebook Messenger, so it was much more instantaneous than that. And I was able to say, just kidding, you know, and all this. Um, but we did, uh, we did kind of talk about some of that. And um, uh, he also alluded in our, in our conversation uh, that there was some stuff about Van Gogh's life that he feels they glossed over mm-hmm. that um, had some impact on on his mental mental state and and some of his uh, uh, actions later in life. And again, I am completely ignorant of all that. So I told him, I said, anything that they got right or wrong about Van Gogh, I am completely, it's, it's beyond me, you know? So I just enjoyed the episode. You could have, for me, you could have swapped out Van Gogh and just like made it a fake, uh, famous, uh, painter. And I would have been yeah. fine with it. You know, I would have known just as much about that. Painting. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um, at any rate, uh, I, I thoroughly, as I already said, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. Um, I wouldn't, you know, I'm not going to put it up there with, with some of the like greatest, um, instances of Dr. Who of all time. But to me, mm-hmm. this is just like such a great story by itself. And so anything where to, where it, it fails in regard to tying into the story arc or, or things like that, I, I feel like it, it's got, you know, some mm-hmm. classic who callbacks. It's got some callbacks to, the, the season thus far, we've got development of the 11th Doctor, development of Amy as a character, and 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 like Tripp said, seeing her as a single person who was never involved with Rory, those kinds of things. Uh, so I'm going to give it a, a good, uh, solid nine invisible uh, invisible claws. Wow. <laughs> so, I don't know. Like I said, I, I cannot, I cannot, even in light of like, I don't want to overrate this one because of, you know, I want to leave room for other great sorts. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. I can't give this one any lower because it just grabs me. I, I've mm-hmm. probably watched this five or six times and every time I've watched it, it just grabs a hold of me. Um, mm-hmm. and I love it. So, uh, Corbin, what do you got, man? Um, I mean, this was not like my favorite episode is it wasn't bad. That's I know <laughs> it's like, I'm aware <laughs> I, I didn't think it was super amazing, but it did have some unique ideas and a, mm-hmm. quite a bit of character building as yeah. well. Definitely. So I think I'm probably going to give this uh, 7.5 uh, 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 sunflowers, because <laughs> why not? Nice. Again. Nice. All right, Trip. what do you got? I think definitely this is a good episode. This has, like Corbin said, a lot of character building. I think it's an overall good standalone story, like you said, and just the way that it describes, like, like how people feel, and I feel like Amy and uh, Van Gogh could really, I don't know, like, see each other in the way of loss, I feel like they kind mm-hmm. of could understand each other. Yeah. In the way that it was happening, and I think that just that got me. So I'm gonna give it an eight point five Van Gogh. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, how do you spell that? Gogh. G O Flem. G O Hakalugi. All right, on creep levels, uh, like Jared said, it's. Uh, 
the Crefeus, you know, had the potential to be uh, creepy, but it just, it, it didn't land. I don't know I why. feel like they didn't want to make it too creepy, and I think the prospect of an invisible creature is a lot more creepy than what the Crefeus actually looked like. Right. Had we not seen it at all the whole episode, it I was think creepier, it creepier in both instances of Van mm-hmm. Gogh's rendering of it. Like yeah, in the painting and when he did like the chalk, uh, yeah. the, the charcoal sketch, mm-hmm. both of those were more scary than what we actually saw. So, yeah, uh, I'm gonna give it uh, one fifty just because big scary monster is still pretty scary for for little kids. Yeah, so yeah. I'm gonna give yeah. it one fifty. Uh, Corbin, what do you got? Uh, so I've kind of already given my opinion on the creepiness. Uh, so put a number again. Up. 125, just because, I mean, it's kind of creepy, the idea yeah. of this invisible monster, and then they you see it, and it's like, mm-hmm. that doesn't even look real because <laughs> of the CGI, let alone scary. So, Trip, what do you think? I think I have to agree with Corbin, the whole aspect of having an invisible monster that, you know, kills people, <laughs> and like, you know, just runs around, and you can't even know where he is, just breaking through things, and just the aspect of something that you can't see coming after you. Yeah. Like, especially just imagine yourself in an empty room and then the window suddenly breaks mm-hmm. and you just hear a clawing of some kind and right. you just, you don't know what it is. I think that just gets me a bit. So I'm going to go 135. 135. Awesome. Okay. So not, 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 uh, not too terribly mm-hmm. scary, yeah. but. A little bit of intensity there. So, under theories, guys, um, do y'all want to y'all want to touch on anything with theories? No. Or I would say there's not really anything new. Yeah, there's. I there's, mean, there's a bit of character building in here, but other than that, we don't really that's see not much theory material. Yeah, yeah, so. that's what I'm saying. I am all of a sudden trying to remember. Did uh, did we add? I think last week we added something to the theories. Mm-hmm that uh, I don't think it got copied over to this one because I had already made this one. So let me, I'm going to pull up uh, 72. I think we were talking something about, uh, I think it was I'm, something to do with Amy and Rory uh-huh. somehow. Mm-hmm. It was. Yeah, let me, let me pull it up real quick here. Pulling it up to. And I think me and Corbin had a different, uh, a disagreement on it. Yeah. Uh, and it was something to do with the... Was it last episode or was it two episodes ago? I don't... Nope, here we go. Exactly remember. Uh, let's see. We had... All right, so Corbin um, added to the theory about the crack that uh, well, maybe it's not the Daleks, and Corbin said the Doctor will blow up the TARDIS. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, let's see, there was some conversation about um, about what the motivation would be for him blowing up the TARDIS. However, um, the other thing was Trip thinks the doctor will find a way to bring back Rory and this will cause the TARDIS to explode, which causes the crack. Mm-hmm. That was that was Trip's theory. And mm-hmm. then Corbin thinks Rory is coming back. They'll find a way to stop the explosion, which will cause Rory's never having existed to not have existed. <laughs> Was, was how I wrote that. Confusing. Yeah. Never having existed, never have existed. That's right. So uh, any any thoughts on that in in light of this episode? Well, I mean, there's not much to expand upon right. with the information given in this I episode. Because there was no information given. <laughs> I do have a well, slight thing. Okay. What, I what think when Rory comes back, um, 
as it, Amy won't remember, will still not remember Rory. Like, the way that Rory comes back, Amy will have forgotten about Rory. And they're going to have to work it back up <clears throat> somehow. Okay, so that the doctor is going to find a way to bring back Rory. That's going to cause the TARDIS to explode, which causes the crack. But you're saying when Rory comes back, uh-huh. Amy won't remember him. And yeah. Like, okay. when Rory comes back, Amy's Permanently? Not... It sounded like you said they're going to have to, like, re... Yeah, they're going to have to go back through the steps. That would be really, really sad if that's what happened. I don't know oh. if it seems fairly probable, okay. but that's just... So, essentially, they're going to have to fall in love again. Yes, they're going okay. to... And I think the Doctor's going to work out some way for them to meet up. Like, when the Doctor brings back Rory, like... Amy isn't there somehow. So, like, Amy and Rory have to re-meet and come back. Oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. And then they'll be all, oh, yeah, and stuff. They'll be, they'll be what? what? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they'll be all, yeah, and stuff. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> Good deal. Uh, Corbin, did you, did you have anything you wanted to add? No, not really. I mean, not much information in this episode, so... Right. I, I think I'm going to stick with what I have for now. All right. All right, so that uh, that brings us down to our uh, listener input. Um, still no new reviews, um, no big um, emails that came in this week. I did I did meet a guy through one of my Facebook groups who um, I, I was asking a question about something and it just kind of spilled over into, yeah, I do this podcast with my kids. And he said, oh, great, what is it? I mean, he's a big, uh, big Doctor Who fan. I, uh, I believe his first name was Jason. And so he um, uh, he was asking if we were on Twitter, and I was like, "Yeah, but no, <laughs> we don't even give out that that address anymore. It's it's technically it's twittercom whovian because noobs and the whovian was too long. But I don't think I've ever sent one tweet. We've had we had a Twitter. We have we have a Twitter. We don't use Twitter. Correct. Because I mean, so it's there. But he he said he added us. Um, he threw a hashtag out there. Uh, I can't even remember what the hashtag was now. Um, Team Tardis was oh, it, nice. was a, um, a Doctor Who uh, hashtag that he uses a lot. And so I guess he gave us a uh, kind of a shout out um, on the podcast. Decided to jump in around the. Uh, I think he decided to start at the David Tennant recap episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, just he, he asked me, you know, do I have a particular episode? Because I was like, please don't start off with the last one because <laughs> the, the audio quality was terrible. And don't start out with the first one either. Mm-hmm. And well, you know, um, I that don't was, know which one would be worse, honestly. Yeah. So but he, but he said 11 is his doctor. So I was like, hey, you know, like uh, starting off mm-hmm. with the 11th hour is a good place. But he, he decided to check out the Tennant recap. And um, as he was listening to it, he was sending me some messages and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, Jason, if, you, if you've caught up, uh, hello and welcome. And we're glad to have you on the wibbly wobbly train here. So uh, don't forget, guys, we are still on a mission to get a new review each month. So our challenge was leave us a review in the month of your birthday. So if your month is October, then it's your turn. You're up. And if you would uh, leave us a review and wherever you left the review, send us an email and tell us about it. So if it's not on our radar, if it's not a a platform that we're um, checking on a regular basis will be aware of it and we will read it on the show. So uh, as far as the game plan, we're still just chugging along through series five. Just a reminder that our next special episode will be a classic who rewind featuring the third doctor story, the terror of the autons. And we will be introduced to the original, the master. So join us next time 
as we discuss series five, episode 11, The Lodger. This one is hilarious and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, this is a companion light episode. So we get to see the doctor uh, in on full display mm-hmm. and uh, special guest James Corden, uh, who at the time was a British actor um, and now is the host of a late night show here in the U.S., but um, he wasn't uh, doing that yet back then, I don't believe. Um, so he he is fantastic. I love this guy. So uh, check that episode out as you prepare for next week. Noobs in the Whovian is a production of Master Closet Studios, where it's always smaller on the inside. Your senior producer is me, Austin Reason. Our audio engineer is this guy. That would be me, Trip. Our production editor is this other guy. I'm Corbin. Special thanks to TARDIS.Wikia.com for the trivia. Thanks to Jared for the Classic Who connection. And shout-outs to Victor and Jared for their Patreon support. You can find us at Facebook.com slash NoobsInTheHoovian. You can email us at NoobsInTheHoovian at gmail.com. Consider supporting us at Patreon.com slash NoobsInTheHoovian. For all of those links and full show notes, go to NoobsInTheHoovian.com. Dot com. Wherever you found us, make sure you like us, subscribe, leave us a review, share us with a friend, not because we're a great show, but because we watch one. Until next time, my name is Austin, I'm the Hoovian, these are my sons Corbin and Tripp, and, and we're the news. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Be whip. Let's go. It's a me, Mario. <laughs> Amazing.